Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight I want to um, continue on our series I've been doing for several weeks and a couple months now on Christian parenting, successful Christian parenting. And uh, the last time, which was I think two weeks ago, uh, we closed going over some um, practical applications, talked about, you know, watching over your children's uh, activities, their media, their associations with people and so forth. And I just, just spoke just a, a little bit about, about prayer right at the end of that uh, last time. And so I want to talk tonight about praying for your children, the importance of uh, praying for your children. And, uh, you know, we, in raising our children, everybody has to be led by the Holy Spirit and uh, do what seems right in your heart. But we, as Pastor Angela and I, we didn't just have everyday prayer for our children. We prayed over things as we sensed God bringing things up in our, in our heart. Uh, and sometimes the Lord would prompt us to pray uh, over the children uh, in specific areas. And I'm going to go over some of those areas tonight. We prayed about all of these things. But, you know, if you're praying uh, over your children about one particular thing, like tonight we're talking about, uh, you know, praying that your children will make right choices. Well, you know, you pray and you believe God. And, uh, and you believe God heard your prayer. And, he believes, and you believe he's working on your children. Well, you, well, you don't necessarily have to pray that every day. Uh, but as the Spirit will alert you, and you might not, you might or you might not detect that your children are struggling in, a, in an area or drifting in an area or being tempted in an area, you may or may not detect it. Uh, if you do detect it and notice it, then certainly you'll pray about that and pray and ask wisdom, you know, from the Lord. Uh, or if you don't detect it, but the Holy Spirit uh, witnesses to you. We've had a number of times in, in raising our children that we just felt impressed. I know Pastor Greg has told about times, you know, that uh, when he was dating, that, that uh, the Lord just had me to pray about protection and, and, um, uh, and how the Lord saved him from, from serious injury and some situations. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is true uh, for your children when they are at home, but it's, it's true all the time. I mean, uh, you, you should be alert in prayer. I know one time uh, I, I just felt impressed to pray for, for Amy one day. After she and Greg had gotten married, and I didn't, didn't know why in particular. I didn't have a real strong alarm. It wasn't like I was alarmed. I just had a sense when I got up in the morning, I need to pray for Amy. Well, she, her bank got robbed that day, and she was held up. She was a teller, and somebody came up and robbed her. And uh, uh, so the Lord can alert you to pray about your children and anything that might come up. But here are some areas that you should be aware of in praying for your children. Uh, pray that they will have a real relationship of their own with God. You know, uh, children, it's, it can be easy, uh, particularly in, in, in this, a lot of this corrects itself by you living before them the, the real, genuine Jesus life. You know, and I've said before in earlier sessions that if you love the Lord, 
really love the Lord or really serious about God, really have a relationship with the Lord, your children are, are, are prone to do the same thing. If your relationship with the Lord is uh, uh, more uh, 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 superficial, you come to church, you say all the right things, but you're just not really uh, passionate about God. You're more interested in physical things, natural things, material things, and, and there's not a spirit of, of, uh, of the Holy Spirit's just not present in your, in your family simply because you don't read your Bible very much. You just read it when you come to church. It's very easy for children to grow up and, and not get it. And so uh, at any point, at any rate, you should pray from time to time that your children will have a genuine relationship with the Lord. That's, that's one reason we focus twice a year on taking the, the teenagers off in particular because uh, they're, uh, they're tempted in, in a lot of ways that uh, younger ones are not tempted to make sure they get saturated in the presence of God and experience uh, God's glory and his power and his love in their life. And, and you know, I, our church... I don't know how many churches do this today, but I know in the churches that I grew up in and, and a lot of churches I'm still aware of, uh, younger children, the departments, you know, Sunday school and different programs they have, it's all head knowledge. And they really don't, in, in most churches like that, I'm not saying most churches, but the ones that I'm familiar with, uh, they really don't have a, a, a spiritual climate. Uh, of any reality with, with small children. And that's one thing I'm grateful for here in our church and our, our younger departments. I mean, they, they pray over those children, get them born again, get them filled with the Holy Spirit. They have, they lay hands on the kids. They have the children lay hands on one another. Even in our young departments, you know, Melody, Melanie and in, in her departments, uh, they, they have the gifts of the spirit in operation. And, and, and even younger than that, they, they minister to the children. And so uh, that's important, but it's important that you pray that your children get it, that they really have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, pray for them that they'll make right choices in life. When they're very young, you make all the choices for them. But your aim is to train them to make right choices. And so the choices that you allow them to make of course, are based on their age and where they are. The younger they are, you, 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 know, you allow them to make choices to, to, uh, as you've trained them so that they can see the benefit and the value of making the right choices and get accustomed to doing that. As they get older, you, you start allowing them to make more uh, serious or more significant uh, uh, decisions. I like something Kendra told me. We were talking about this in the office one day. Excuse me just a minute. We were talking about this oh a year or so ago, or maybe longer than that ago, and uh, we were talking about choices and teenagers. And she said, "Yeah." She said, "When my girls were teenagers, she said I let them make choices. I let them make because a lot of parents just abdicate their responsibility and say, well, you know, I'm just letting my teenager choose. This is what they want to do. Uh, that that's that's not a right attitude." You, you, uh, you make sure they make the right choices. Kendra said, she said, oh, I always let my, my teenagers, my girls make, make their choices. She said, of course, if they made the wrong choice, I just overrode it and said, no, that's not the right choice. Try again. But, but you, you, you need to pray for your children that they will make the right choices and give them the opportunity 
as they grow and as they mature, give them the opportunity to exercise good judgment for themselves. Amen. Uh, for supernatural protection, our, our sister testified tonight about protection. Uh, I've talked about you know protection in my children's life, uh, children's uh, uh, life as they've grown up. You know, God knows all of our children need protection. How many? How many of you, uh, looking back over your youth, think, "Oh Lord, God must have been with me." Isn't that right? Well, we need to pray about that. But but let me give you another side of this, because everything has to be in balance. There, there's a, a tendency today for, for parents to be overly protective of their children and, and to be in fear where their children's concerned. I, uh, I was telling Amy, we were talking about this some few months ago. I came across uh, someone on TV. There were, someone was interviewing this woman on TV and then I went to her website and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't recall what the website name was or the organization, but it was a, a, a mother, a young mother and, uh, or a mother of young children, put it that way. And she has developed this movement. She spearheaded this movement. And I don't know how rapidly it's growing, but it, she was being interviewed on, on TV, national TV. But she says that uh, parents today are way too protective of their children. That uh, in our, our culture has led us to be too protective because, you know, we, if anything happens to a child, everybody in America knows about it. And she said, and I can't verify this, I'm just telling you what she said, but I think the, 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 uh, the underlying principle is valid, whether these stats are, are necessarily accurate or not. She said that statistically, there are fewer kidnaps of children and abductions and, and, and uh, uh, those types of things. Now, sexual abuse is, is, is greater than it used to be, or at least we're finding out more about it. But as far as abductions, people you know, kidnapping children, that sort of thing. Uh, she said there's actually, it's actually declined steeply in the last 20 years. But now you'd never know it because we hear about everything all the time on the news. You know, when, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you, you would, the only thing like that you would hear about it if it was in your neighborhood or on your side of town or, you know, the paper, your local paper would pick it up. And that didn't happen very often. You didn't hear about somebody in, in Waterloo, Iowa, or you know, somebody, you know, that, that their child got abducted. But because, you know, we have 24-hour uh, news programs that just are searching for stories constantly, uh, you know, you can get the idea that it's a real dangerous world out there. And I, before I saw that uh, program, anyway, let me go back. She's, she's developing this movement, trying to get people uh, uh, and parents to uh, buy into her concept that we're overly protective and that it's hurting our children because children aren't learning to, they're not learning life skills. They're not learning to fend for themselves. They're not learning how to, to handle problems when they came up. When I was a kid, you know, way back then, are you still worth something, Dan? Are you still, you said that old man was still, had something to offer. You still have something to offer? Okay, I just wanted to see. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, we would get on our bicycles and we would ride for miles away from the house. And, you know, if the chain jumped off the sprocket, you know, you just had to fix it or you're walking home. You know, if, you, if we were out in the woods, we got bit by snakes. I mean, we, you know, we did crazy things. And you had to, you had to figure it out. 
And she's saying that you learn, and I, and I think there's some validity in that, you learn some things about life. Now, you know, I wasn't uh, uh, playing around on helicopters or anything. It was just a bicycle, you know. But things that are appropriate for children, things can happen. They need to know how to figure things out and, and cope with problems as they come up. And, uh, and she says that uh, parents need to allow their children to play out of their sight. I, I, I know what I'm saying is, is uh, heresy to, to most uh, uh, people who are supposedly experts in children and, and behavior and so forth. They need to play outside of your sight, get along with their, with their friends, you know, get in fights, straighten, you know, make up. We would get in fright, fights with one another. And, you know, in a couple hours, that was all behind us. We were friends again. Uh, and, and today, she said, children aren't allowed to do that. And it's not healthy. I know that I've noticed, even before I saw this show, I, I've noticed, you know, you drive down the street and sometimes parents, they're out with their children, maybe a, a young child, you know, toddler, or maybe a child in a stroller, you know, and, and they almost want to get between you and them as you drive by. I was driving up the road that Greg and Amy lived on before they, they live where they do now, over by the middle school. You know that road that cuts through there? I was not going any more than 20 miles an hour. And I showed no signs of wobbling off the road or running into the ditch or anything, just driving. And there's this mom walking down the sidewalk with her child and she's a little, little one in a, in a stroller. And I mean, she was just like this when I, when I came by, like, I protect my child. And, and, and you had the sense that, that she felt like, I'm doing my job, and I'm, oh, I'm protecting my baby. Well, you know, uh, I, I think you need to be careful, but if it's just not that likely that uh, somebody driving very slowly and very uh, 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 deliberately is just going to suddenly just run them over. But there's this, there's this fear uh, in America, and, and I don't think it's healthy. And, uh, and so I, I think you need to pray for supernatural protection and then I think you need to trust God and let the kids go out and play and, and uh, get out away from, the, from you a little bit where they can get along with their friends and, and work things out, amen? Uh, pray, pray for well-rounded development for your children. Spiritually, we've already talked about that, having a relationship with you, loving God and things that we've said in the past uh, have to do with that. Of course, you know, you want your children to be strong physically, but there's the soulish realm. That, that's the area of their personalities. You want, you want your children to be well-rounded and, and balanced in their whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, you need to pray that, that their personalities will develop in a healthy way. Now, children have all kinds of personalities. There's no perfect personality. Some, some children are uh, more outgoing than other children. Some children are more adventurous than other children. Uh, kids, just like adults, have all kinds of personalities. And, and generally speaking, they're all good. But your child needs to develop uh, in, that, in that social realm. Developing socially with other children, knowing how to, to get along and how to negotiate through life. Uh, so pray for, for a well-rounded development for your children. Uh, pray for good, beneficial relationships, that they'll have good friends. And I talked, I think, last week or, or the time before, the time before that, when I, when I ministered on Wednesday night, about knowing your, your, your children's friends. He didn't know who their, your friend, their friends are. 
And if there are children that are uh, unsaved, there's nothing wrong with your children playing with kids that are unsaved and unchurched uh, because they're going to encounter unsaved and unchurched people in this world. You know, they are out there. And uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you pick up that a child uh, is corrupting your child in some way, then you, you, need to, you need to step in. But you need to pray for good friends. Children need friends. They don't need their parents to be their friend. They need their, you know, who, you know who your friends, your children's friends are supposed to be? Their friends are supposed to be their friends. And, uh, not you, not their, you know, uh, grandparents, but their friends. But good friends, good relationships. Uh, children that they can not only uh, receive blessing from, but children that they can be a blessing to and have, have a, an influence on other children. Pray for good teachers. Now, uh, I, I think most teachers are in the teaching profession for the right reason. And I think most teachers, you know, I've, I've talked about that generally. If your teacher writes home that, you know, little Johnny's not doing well or little Johnny comes home and says, my teacher hates me and she has it in for me, he has it in for me, that's usually not the case. But on the other hand, there, there are teachers that some would be better for your children than another. If they're going into third grade, there's probably, you know, several teachers or classrooms they could be in. Pray that they get in the right one. I know when Greg was in the first grade, second grade, he got the wrong teacher. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I don't have anything personal against this woman, but she just, I don't know. It was not a good year. And uh, we, we missed it. We didn't pray about that like we should have. And, and he suffered that year. I mean, he, he fell so far behind that year that uh, I don't remember the details. Were they wanting to hold him back? Huh? Yeah, in the reading area, they wanted to hold him back. And so Pastor Angela said, no, he's going to catch up. And we actually had to fight that teacher because that teacher did not want to catch him up. And so we had to work with him personally in his reading assignments. And, and really, we had a, 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 just a, a fight, basically, between us and, and her. She wasn't going to help. She thought he needed to be in this, in this uh, place, and she wasn't helping him. And so we stepped in, and we straightened it out, and, and, and you know, everything worked out fine. Pray for the right teachers for your kids. And then as they get older, when they get in their uh, teenage years, sometimes it's good to have adult mentors, Good, solid, spirit-filled, word of faith, uh, members of the church that sometimes that your kids can, uh, can relate to and talk to. You know, the Morgans were a tremendous help to us in, in raising our children. And, uh, you know, our kids spent a lot of time at their house. And, uh, you know, when, when we were just starting out in the ministry, uh, our children were very small and there are th things that we felt like we needed to go to, conferences and, and uh, things like that, that we, c we didn't have the money to go. We couldn't afford to, to go plus pay somebody to keep our children. And uh, for the first two or three years, nobody volunteered. I know one particular year, it, it, homecoming at Ramah, we really wanted to go so bad. And uh, I said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then it got down to the week before and... Well, I guess I'm not going because I, I haven't figured out what to do with my children. And we've never been uh, uh, pastors that like to ask, you know, people to do things. And so finally the Morgans came to us. They'd just been coming to church for a short time. And they said, Pastor, 
anytime you need to go anywhere, do anything, be away, whatever, just let us know when it is. Not, not to ask us if we're available. We're available. That's already settled. Just let us know and your kids are our kids. And, and we'll take them to school. We'll take them to, to uh, uh, Little League or, or to uh, Pop Warner or whatever they're doing. And they're our children. And so it's already decided. It doesn't matter where, when, when it is. Just let us know when. And so if we had had to phone them up and say, you know, could we bring the kids or could you keep? We'd have never called them. But because she said, it's already decided. We're going to do it. Just whenever you need to, to, to uh, leave them, let us know and we'll come pick them up and, and we'll take complete care of them. Well, because of that, uh, you know, our children developed a real close relationship with them. And I mean, our kids went on vacations with them. Our kids went to funerals of their family that our kids didn't even know. Uh, reunions. I mean, whatever came up, if we were out of town, whatever they had to do, our kids just went. And... Uh, so, you know, when, our, when Steve graduated from high school, he gave his valedictorian address. You know, he said, I, I want to thank my parents, both sets. And I know everybody in the crowd thought, well, I guess there, he comes from a split home, a broken home, you know, divorce and remarriage. But we knew who he was talking about. And uh, so, but my, my kids developed a relationship with them, somebody they could talk to. And we really didn't have a, a youth group, you know, uh, per se, or actually Leslie was the youth director, she and Lori, I guess, uh, but it was very small, two or three uh, teenagers. And uh, so they need sometimes adults that will, uh, you know, be responsible, reinforce what the parents, reinforce what you believe and you teach, not undermine you, but sometimes they need to hear it from somebody else. Typically, those mentors will be younger than you. And they need somebody sometimes that, that maybe isn't, they don't feel like are as out of touch and as old as you are. Even though, you know, you might not feel like you're very old. They might look as you, at you as being very old. And it's good to have someone else. So pray for your children that as the need arises that they'll have uh, good mentors. Thank God for our youth ministers. They provide that. And uh, uh, so pray for them, for your, for your children that they will uh, be able to, be, to develop those relationships with their youth ministers and, and others as necessary. Pray for strength to resist sin and the spirit of this world. Uh, you know, uh, the God of this world is after your children. He's after your teenagers, t teenagers and little kids. He's after them. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But pray for your children that they'll resist sin in the spirit of this world and uh, pray that they'll discover their calling in life. Don't give them their calling. Pray that they'll discover their calling. Amen. I, we never talked about uh, the ministry with our children. We never encouraged them to go in the ministry. We never uh, hinted at it. We didn't, we didn't approach it all. We raised our children as if we weren't in the ministry. So we, did, we didn't, there was no uh, uh, overt or otherwise uh, uh, hints or, or, or attitudes projected on them that they maybe should go in the ministry or anything like that. We left that entirely up to God. Let them develop their own or, or, or realize their own calling in life, but pray that they'll get it right, that they'll find out what it is that God wants to, uh, them to do in life. 
pray, of course, for the right spouse to come along. And uh, always encourage them. Like I've said before, don't, don't date uh, kids, you know, when, even when they're young. Don't uh, go steady with, with uh, uh, other boys and girls that you could not afford to marry. They don't believe what you believe. Well, we're just, you know, we're just in the eighth grade. Well, I think that's too, too early to go steady anyway. But whenever you do it, uh, they don't need to be developing those relationships with children that they can't uh, end up uh, marrying because they'll get in the habit of making wrong choices like that. And then eventually they could make the wrong choice and uh, end up with the wrong person for life. So pray for them that the right person will come along. You've heard uh, Pastor Greg's testimony that you know he was just so concerned because there was just nothing here at Faith Christian Fellowship at the time. You know, nobody for me. What, what am I gonna do? I just, you know, I'll never find anybody. And his mom just kept assuring him, yeah, you know, pray that person in. Greg, pray, God will send you somebody. He did, you know, the story uh, uh, there. So, uh, you know, you'll need wisdom along the way and thank God there's wisdom available to you. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without uh, reproach and it will be given him, but ask in faith, First James 1 says. Uh, help is available by praying in the spirit. I cannot emphasize enough the benefit and value of praying in the spirit. You can pray out their futures. You can pray them out of trouble. You can pray them around things. You can, you can pray things into their life and things out of their life. And the spirit of God, if you're sensitive to just, you know, just to spend time in prayer and fellowship with the Lord, just like you should, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just stir you up about something. And, uh, and sometimes he'll, he'll tell on your children. I mean, it's happened in our household. The Spirit of God would just show things to us. And they're like, gee whiz. You know, I can't get a break anywhere. You know, my parents have the Holy Ghost. And, and it should be that way. Amen. Our, our, even when they're older, our oldest son, how old was, this was when he was between junior and senior year or around 16. Steve had gotten a, a, a speeding ticket that he didn't tell me about. And because he knew it wouldn't be good for him. If he told me about it, I'd probably, you know, take away some of his uh, ac uh, access to the car. But he got a speeding ticket, and so we were going on vacation, and he, he had a job that summer. And so he was just going to spend uh, some days at home, and, you know, so he could work, and then he was going to come over at the beach and, and spend part of the week there with us. And what he had arranged was to secretly was to take a driving school so that it wouldn't go on his record so we wouldn't find out about it. And uh, he contacted an old friend of ours who's our insurance agent was a, uh, uh, a man that I knew. As a matter of fact, his, his brother, I'm conducting his funeral tomorrow in the morning. But uh, uh, the older brother was our insurance agent. So he contacted Larry and said, now you gotta keep this from my mom. Of course, my old, my old friend, he thought that was hilarious, you know. Yeah, I'll do that. And... Uh, so they had this thing all worked out and Greg was going to take the driving and, and the spirit of God just kept dealing with Angela. There's something going on. What is going on? There's something, something's just not right. So finally she sat him down. She said, all right, what is it? There's something going on with you and I want to know what it is. He just dropped his head. It's like, oh man, and just busted, you know? And so he, he confessed it and, and um, I don't know what we did, but Huh? Threatened him. Yeah, I think that's what we did. Uh, but the Holy Spirit will, will enlighten you. 
Amen? Praise God. Uh, I want to talk for a few minutes tonight about effective disciplining. Now, different forms of disciplining uh, are more appropriate or less appropriate or effective at different ages. And um, every parent knows that. You know that you don't uh, discipline children the same way throughout their uh, childhood and their growth and development. Uh, First of all, I want to talk about spanking tonight. And I know that our culture and even our legal system is uh, completely against spanking of any kind, even just laying your hand on your child at all. And I understand the legal complications, but I also know what the Bible teaches. And I'm responsible to tell you what the Bible says. So I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who, you don't, you can write these down if you want to and not look them up and I'll just read them to you. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The Amplified Translation says, he who spares his rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently and punishes him early. You know, take care of things when they need to be taken care of. If parents would do a better job of disciplining their children when they're young, they wouldn't have so many problems when they're older, when they're teenagers. And uh, this, this verse talks about that. Proverbs 19, verse 18, it's another location, says, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. The message Bible says, discipline your children while you still have the chance. Indulging them destroys them. And then the good news translation says, discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. And then the New Living Translation says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. That's what the Bible says. Uh, Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know, children, because of, of their flesh, they're, they're, uh, they're given to uh, doing things that are wrong simply because they're flesh is in control. The aim of discipline is to teach them to not be controlled by their flesh, but to let the Bible and your advice and your counsel and, 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 and the word of God and so forth be their guide. And as they are born again and are filled with the spirit, get your children filled with the spirit as soon as they're able to understand because that will have a tremendous uh, effect on how they can learn, how quickly they can learn to put their flesh under. Uh, but this verse says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs 13, or, or excuse me, Proverbs 23, verse 13 and verse 14 says, do not withhold, withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Now I know we don't like to read that. Because we don't consider spanking beating. But you have to understand that this just meant spanking. That's all this means. It doesn't mean, uh, uh, you know, nearly killing your child. 
It doesn't, beating here doesn't mean what we think today. It means, it simply means reasonably spanking your child. Uh, but it is supposed to hurt. It is supposed to, to get their attention. It says, do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. That tells you right there, you're not supposed to beat him to death. <laughs> if you beat him with a rod, or you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now that's what the Bible says. He said, don't withhold this. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 15 and 17. Verse 15 says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And then verse 17 says, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. I know whenever you're in the process of having to spank your children and, and, and uh, ride pretty, pretty uh, heavy on them, it seems like, you know, it's no fun. It's no fun at all. And it seems like, you know, you're never going to get out of this. And, and uh, even whenever they're little, I, I remember this with Leslie, you know, when, when who was it, Joan? Joan was real self-willed. And uh, she was, Angela said. <laughs> she said, uh, there was a period of time, and I don't know how old Joan was. She was old enough to spank. But Joan would, would lie or just do something just repeatedly. And, and Leslie would spank her, and she'd do it again, and she'd spank her. And one time she came to Angela crying. She said, I have beat my child all week. It seems like that's all I do is spank her. I mean, 10 times a day, I'm spanking her, I'm spanking her, I'm spanking her. Angela said, don't give up the fight. You have to win this. You have to win this. And she eventually went, won it. And, uh, you know, Joan has, has a strong personality. That's a good thing. But she's learned to submit to God. Amen. Because she learned to submit to her parents. And so uh, that's what this, this verse is talking about. Correct your son or your daughter and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. The day will come when you will be so glad that you uh, towed the line and, and stood in there and spanked and, and, and corrected and didn't give up, didn't back down. Because your children will come one day, uh, become such a blessing to you. We've seen that in our lives and, and uh, we're just so grateful. Proverbs 20, verse 30. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Now, I know that's completely contrary, again, to uh, even our legal system. And I cannot give you particular advice uh, uh, as to what you do, but I can tell you what the Bible says. And in the days of the Bible, and, and do we believe this is the inspired word of God? I mean, either we, either we do or we don't. And if we believe it's the word of God, it says blows that hurt cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Let me give you the amplified version. Blows that cleanse, blows that wound cleanse away evil and strokes for correction reach to the innermost parts. So spanking goes beyond the natural. Spank, I'm gonna say that again. Spanking actually goes beyond the natural. Now it has to be effective in the natural 
in the physical realm. But if, if applied correctly, it goes beyond the natural and affects your children spiritually. The message Bible says, <laughs> you'll like this, a good thrashing purges evil. Punishment goes deep within us. Punishment goes deep within us. You know, th- this is important. Uh, in the New Testament, we don't have as much about this, but you understand that uh, the, the New Testament was written in a uh, climate where their only Bible was the Old Testament. New Testament saints didn't have a New Testament. They had the Old Testament. And uh, Hebrews 12, verses five through 11 says this. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks, which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Well, that could have a lot of answers today. There are adults that are completely worthless, completely living uh, worthless lives with no responsibility, no sense of of obligation to anything. And it's because in, in some measure, because they were never corrected. So there are fathers uh, who will not chasten their son, but he's saying that it's ridiculous for a father not to correct his son. He said, for what, what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, saints, of which all have become partakers, then are you illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, you know, you, you, could, you could talk a lot about how this scripture is used to teach that God, you know, chastens us with sickness and disease and, and all sorts of things. It doesn't teach that. It, it's interesting. It says, verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. How, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Where it says human fathers in the New King James, in the original Greek, it says fathers of flesh. Fathers of flesh. He said, we, it, what it says is, we have all had fathers of flesh who corrected us and we showed them respect. How much more should we show respect to the father of spirits? See, our fathers of flesh corrected us in the flesh. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to correct our children when they, when they need it in the flesh, in the seat of the pants. God doesn't, He's, a, he's the father of our spirits. He corrects us in the spirit realm. See the difference? But, but back to our, t- our topic, what, what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? I can tell you which ones. The ones that, that uh, they don't love. The sons that aren't loved, they're the ones that aren't chastened. Parents, oh, I just love my baby so much, I could just never spank him. No, you don't love him. It says here in the scriptures, we've, you hate your child. Now that's, you say, oh, I just love them. God says you hate your child. I think God knows what he's talking about. Amen. 
So there's uh, spanking goes beyond the natural, even though it's applied in the natural. And, and you, have to, you have to win uh, and conquer the rebellion that, that is nat- naturally tries to surface where your children are concerned. I remember one time when Steve, remember the time he, didn't, he wasn't going to give in to spanking? How old was he? You remember that? He, he acted like, I'm just going to take this and I'm not, not going to cry. You remember that? He was about 12 and he had done something. I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, I, I spanked him for it. And I think I had a belt. And so I'm spanking him, you know. And so he just bristled up. You know, he's 12 years old, feeling his oats, you know. He just bristled up. And you could see the expression on his face. He just gritted his teeth and he just stand there. And he, he, it was all over him. You can, you can spank me all you want, but I'm not giving in. I am, what he, what he was, he was fighting back crying. And he said, I am, he, he was, you know, you could just, he, this was what was going on in his mind. I could see it. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to give you, you can spank me all you want to. And all you're going to do is just have spank me. I'm not going to change. Well, I saw what was going on. So I didn't spank him any harder, but I just kept on spanking him. I just kept, he just stood there and I just kept on spanking him. And he just stood there. You could tell, you know, it was all he could do. And he's just, he's just, I couldn't, I couldn't allow him to, I couldn't spank him and let him go to his room and, and him still be in rebellion. That would have been pointless. And so I kept spanking. And finally I said, son, I'm going to spank you until you receive this correction. I said, I am not going to, and I told him this. I said, I'm not going to let you go to hell. I'm not going to let you have rebellion in your life. And I'm doing this for your good. And, and you're going to have to accept this. Or else when the sun goes down, I'll still be swatting you. I guess for one reason or another, he decided to give in. And uh, he started crying, you know, and it was all over. We hugged each other's neck, you know, and I said, son, you know, you, you learned a big lesson today. I, I correct you because I love you and I cannot afford to see you be rebellious and go your own way. And, and it didn't warp his, warp his personality, but it, it helped him. Amen. So, you know, you have to win these, these uh, battles that you have with your children, if you want to call them that. It's your responsibility to do so. Uh, I want you to, along this same line, go with me over to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter two, you are familiar with the story of Samuel, how Hannah uh, was barren and she wanted a child. She prayed to the Lord and God gave her a child in her own old age. And in gratitude to the Lord, she offered him up, took him to Eli the priest and, and who was the priest in those days and, and lent him to the Lord. So he went, when he got old enough to leave home, he went as a young child and lived with Eli and served Eli in, uh, in whatever things concerning the ministry that Eli needed. But uh, Eli had two sons. And the, one of, the name of one was uh, Hophni and the other one was Phinehas. And uh, in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fish hook in his hand while, uh, while the meat was boiling. 
Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the, the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh, Shiloh to all Israelites who came there. Now, what you need to realize is concerning the strict requirements of the law, none of this was right. There were a lot of irregularities that went on. When people brought their, their sacrifice to the Lord, the priest was only allowed to take a certain portion for himself. Actually, the person who brought the sacrifice was able to eat of the meat himself as well as the priest. The priest couldn't just take all of it. The priest could take a certain portion. But that's not what was going on here. These servants of the priests were, were uh, doing things wrong and just taking whatever they wanted. And it doesn't say that uh, Phineas and Hophni were behind it, but the implication is that these servants were friends of Hophni and Phineas, and they got this from them. So it goes on to say that uh, also before they burned the fat, the priest servants would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, well, they should really burn the fat first, which was according to the law, then they may take as much as your heart desires, which even then the, the, the person this, that was often this offering the sacrifice was being gracious because the priest was not supposed to take anything he wanted. He was supposed to take a certain portion, but after the fat had been burned. But these servants would say, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men were, was very great before the Lord for men abhorred or despised the offering of the Lord. Because of what was going on, because of the way these young men, these servants, and, and I'm sure Hophni and Phinehas were involved in it, because of the way they were acting, people had gotten to the place that they despised bringing their sacrifice. Uh, <clears throat> Let's continue reading. We'll just read on through the 18th, through the, down through the rest of this chapter. But Samuel ministered before, before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Uh, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife saying, the Lord gave, give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their house. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now, Eli was very old. And he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. Now, these women who were at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, this actually started doing, during Moses' days. And these were women who forsook all earthly things and, and, and forsook everything to just give themselves wholly to the Lord, to help, to pray. In fact, in Jesus' day, remember, remember Anna? Who, who was a prophetess and he said, scripture said that she was of an old age and she had given all of these years. She never departed from the temple, but she served the Lord in fasting and prayer. That's, that's the kind of women that this is talking about. These women had devoted themselves to the service of the Lord, but these wicked sons of Eli were having sex with, sex with them. 
Now, I don't know if they were, were seduced into it or if they were forced or, or what, but that's what was going on. So he called his sons in, verse 23. He said, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord decided to kill them. See, they had made up their minds that they were gonna be this way. And so God had given them up to destruction. But you see, Eli sinned because he allowed this to take place. He should have disciplined his sons long before this. Now, uh, the, Samuel, the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and man. Then a man of God came to Eli and said, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him? It's talking about Aaron. Did, not, did I not choose him out of all the priests of Israel to be my tribes of Israel, to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to bear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling and honor your sons more than me? There's a lesson here. When we don't discipline our children, well, I just can't bring myself to do that. You're honoring them more than God. You're actually dishonoring God. He said, uh, why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offerings, which I have commanded in, this, in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now says the Lord, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will be not an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good that the, which the Lord does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any, of your men whom I, but any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a, a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in, and in my mind, I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. Of course, that priest that he raised up was David. And that, that, that very same thing happened. They came and begged for a place. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and while his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see and, bef and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and where Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. So he ran to to Eli and said, here I am I, for you called me. 
And Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down again. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down. Now, Samson, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be if he calls you again, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, answered, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at, both, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Are you listening, parents? He said his sons made themselves vile, vile and Eli did not correct them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Ever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Eli told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the, Lord, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to all Israel through Samuel. Uh, now, when the children of Israel went out to battle against the, Philipp the Philistines, they lost a battle. And so they decided to take the Ark of the Covenant in and to, to offer them some protection. And the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. And it says in... Uh, Verse 20 or verse 10 of chapter 4. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fl uh, fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot sol soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, killed. And when, we won't read all of it, but when Eli heard about it, he fell backward uh, and broke his neck. He was a very old man and he died. But the, the lesson to learn from this parents is that God holds you responsible. Are you listening to me? God holds you responsible. You have to make the tough decisions. It's not easy and it's not fun, but there's grace for it. There's grace for it. And uh, you have to discipline your children. And... Uh, you, you know what the Bible says. And like I said, there are different forms of, of uh, discipline. Uh, you know, spanking is not always required. The older your children uh, get as they get later up in, in teens, 
teens, the less effective that is anyway. But I tell you this, I don't know how old the boys were, either one of them, the last time they got a spanking, but they were, she says, she remembers, she says Steve was 17 last time he got a spanking. Uh, He was probably bigger than me then, taller anyway. Uh, But they had too much respect to not receive it. You know, he learned that lesson when he was 12. But the point is, you have to make the, wrong, the, the right decisions, the hard decisions. You have to be the disciplinarian. And sometimes uh, uh, restrictions and other things, I told you last time, I think I got it wrong. I think it was when Stephen was in middle school, right? Was that when he spent, huh? He spent the seventh and eighth grade, the entire seventh and eighth grade on restriction in his bedroom, virtually. He didn't go anywhere. I mean, to church, youth, youth meetings, and that was it. Uh, but that was effective. I don't know how effective it was. It took two years. <laughs> but they stuck with it. They stuck with it. They weren't about to give up. And thank God, aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. So uh, uh, discipline is not always fun, but it is the parent's responsibility. And the time will come when your children will bring you great joy. Amen. That's what you're looking for. And, uh, and I have some final thoughts that uh, won't take very long, but I'm not going to do them tonight. I'll do them at another, maybe, maybe the first part of next week. I'll, I'll go through these things and, and then start on another topic. But anyway, uh, you're free to go. Praise God. I hope this was a help to you. Uh, I hope you wrote the scriptures down that we went over tonight because it's not my word, it's God's word. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.